0: Welcome to Creative Block, we're your host, Jean.
1: And V. we interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam.
0: We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts.
1: And today with us, we have Megan Boyd! Woo! Hello! <laughs> so, Megan, uh, I actually met you uh, on a Thundercats Roar show for the first time. Uh, it was a crazy time <laughs> to <get laughs> join the show. And but before we go into that, because we want to hear about your life. So oh tell us about
2: God. Everything <laughs> since you're everything tell us your life. since I was one.
0: <laughs> what are your deepest secrets? Yeah.
2: Don't remember much from then.
0: <laughs> okay, bad interview so far.
2: No, no. (laughs) Okay, let's see. I always love to draw the cliche, But it's true. My mom was an artist, I guess. She like, you know, super artsy oil paintings all around the house. So always used to that. And then, cause her dad was also an artist and a sailor. So this was like some magical, mythical like person I never met. And I was like, oh my God, I want to be all these things too. It just felt so cool. Sailor and artist? Yes. He was like a merchant marine. So that's like crazy. my grandma's house was full of like those wooden sta- like, sailor statues, like little carvings and stuff. And like these little wooden bears and things from all over the world. So I don't know. Art always just seemed like super magical to me.
0: <laughs> Dang. Okay. That's
2: interesting. Yeah. So that's the early life. Dun, dun. And then let's see. I don't know, drawing in school, kind of like thing everyone else always does. I was really into uh, neopets and virtual pet sites. Nice. Which kind of like (laughs) brought the obsession of wanting to draw even more and get attention for it. (laughs) We have a prompt
0: for neopets, so that's going to be exciting. I
2: know. I got to draw one after I draw this little fancy chicken. Uh Fancy chicken. (laughs) Fancy chicken. But yeah they had like these beauty contests and stuff and you can win neo points and a little trophy and all this cool crap yeah. and bragging rights and so i was obsessed with it and i had like a whole method of winning which was basically just like adopt all <laughs> <You cheated this. laughs> i did i did this is what i did it was genius everybody always had like the k- cheeks and the Aisha's and all yeah, the cute yeah, yeah. pets but I was- Basic shit. Yeah, and then I was like, mm-mm, I'm gonna get the ugly pets because there's no like beauty contest entries for the ugly pets, and then I'll always win because my art will be okay, the who, best. Okay, wait,
0: who, are, who, are, who do you consider ugly pets and careful? Okay, at
2: the time, at the time, the Mohawk was an ugly pet. Because yeah. if you remember its first like, design, it like, hold on, if I can, I'll get back to this chicken, but
0: to be continued on
2: it had like these sad kind of eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Wow, I'm really drawing great right now. And then kind of like this snout nose and these weird like kind of ears and this mohawk. And it just had like weird little like He's hairs just... on every side.
0: <laughs> looks fucking high.
2: He was. And I loved him so much. He looks big. And I just won every single award with him. <laughs> this horrible neopet
0: you cheated the system with this baked ass neopet
2: i love that you remember how to draw him because you won so many oh my god yeah, i remember too much from this era there's like i can remember elementary school the middle school's blocked but i do remember like all of my neopets oh yeah and then it had this stupid tail like what even is this And I also had the electric mohawk, by the way. He was really cool.
0: You remember this fucker? I think they were called um, Kikos.
2: Kikos! They were cute. I had a Kiko, too. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you did? Yeah! Yeah!
2: (laughs) I had a purple one. That was my favorite. They were great. Yeah, I had... So I, like, made bank on this little shit. And um, what was it? It was a newer one. The Rookie.
0: I don't remember the Rookie.
2: Rookie was basically, like... Okay.
0: Dude, I'm like channeling this. It's like coming out of me. I don't oh, know. Oh, hell yeah. I haven't touched, I haven't drawn a Kiko or thought about a Kiko in like 20 years. What is happening to me?
2: The rookie is like this kind of dude. He was one of the newer ones.
0: Oh, okay.
2: And he had like these little, he was like a praying mantis thing. And oh, that's weird. I had one that was like a mummy because I was also obsessed with ancient Egypt. It's a whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah, you definitely have to go into that later. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so that was my first high of like getting money off art, I guess you could say, oh, yeah. was the Neopet system, which then naturally led to, I guess, going to akaki Boards and all that stuff and art, and then getting paid to draw people's Neopets and like Subeta Pets and all this stuff. Wow, okay. Then also like on Guy Online, the same thing, like, wow, people will pay me for drawing their characters? And yeah, it was like my whole thing. So that's where I basically lived and just got inspired to like I love how you basically realized, wow, I can make a career off of
1: this because you already had a career. (laughs) Yeah, you're already making money.
0: I swear that that's like the millennial artist starter pack. It's like Neopets, DeviantArt, maybe Gaia.
2: It's true. I was on all of those. It was like, it was a bad obsession, but it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that community. And then, I mean... I guess I can segue, like basically then in high school, there was this small like virtual pet site. Cause there was like a whole boom in the 2000s where everybody could make one. And there was even like virtual pet site makers that you could download and all these things. Mm -hmm. And so there was this one called Neuro Galaxy and they had like an open artist position available. And like you get, you know, at the time it was like getting paid and like perks for the site, which is all I wanted. Cause I just wanted to say I was a staff artist and they (laughs) got it and I felt so cool. So that was, like, my first job, I guess. It wasn't real money at first, but that, it was, like, this high of, like, I had tasks to complete, and then I got things for it. And now I'm just going into, like, all of the virtual pet site stuff that happened. But then our little site got bought by Subeda. Anyone knows virtual pet site stuff? It's another one. Competitor to Neopets. So then we started to get real money. Like, I got paid And it was great! I got paid $12 an hour, which was pretty good for, like, high school and college. It was amazing. Yeah, how old were you,
1: actually, like, uh, when you started making money? Or, like, even when you started getting, like, paid in, um, website privileges, I guess. How old was I?
2: Yeah. Um... (laughs) Oh my god. I guess, like, 12 or 13. Holy shit! (laughs) I was, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, my dad was always, because he was a computer guy, and so he had gotten me a, um, like, one of the first Wacom tablets, because he just had this stuff, like, in the office. And he I don't even think it has a name. It was, like, the Wacom graphire tablet yeah, that's like, you the one I had, yeah okay yeah like I remember you could like take off the plastic like cover and put your own drawings underneath and snap it back in yes
0: that's exactly yes. the one I had yeah. yes
2: I still have it at home and it still exists to this day and it currently has a chibi version of Ron Weasley from Harry Potter <laughs> that I stole from DeviantArt that's just oh, it's just a time capsule living at home but yeah, yeah. that was my first tablet and so I was just obsessed with like, I don't know. My dad always wanted to make money off my art. So maybe that's what yeah, it was. Because yeah. he, he got me a PayPal. And so like I had a PayPal probably when I was way too young for one. But it opened up like possibilities. Like I could buy things and not really need a credit card because the money would just kind of be in this account.
0: Sure. That's, that's really cool.
2: Yeah. So that's how I got paid too.
0: And yeah. So you were, you were hustling pretty early on.
2: I was, and I've never stopped. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I uh, cool. when
0: I when I was on Neopets, I think I, I must have been twelve, and mm. to get on the like forums, you had to be thirteen.
2: Yep, um,
0: and I wasn't, and I was too good of a kid to just lie or. Ah! I don't know. Well, like I, I, didn't want to lose my account. I think too, so I didn't want to start over. But uh, you had to like mail in a letter with your parents' signature on it, and I did that. Like my parents had to send, had to sign a letter saying that I was allowed to go on the forum, and I went on there and would try to find like virtual girlfriends and stuff.
2: Oh my god! See, I just lied. <laughs> I just put like a random birthday well, yeah, down. you're,
0: you're smart. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> a stupid kid.
2: Oh my god! Which is why I don't like. I, get, I don't have access to that first account. I do have access to my third account, and I still have it, and it's great. And if anybody wants to be Neopet friends, <laughs> oh, wow. it's Resuin. I think that's what my name is. It's been mm-hmm. a while. I'm. It's lame. I um, yeah, whatever. I love Neopet still, and I love virtual pet sites, and I wish they came back because it was zen.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it does feel like there's a. Kind of a gap there like I feel like people want it it seems the new thing that everyone's been into is like the adoptables and people seem to
2: oh my god yeah kind of be
0: channeling that a little bit lately
2: I was a part of that for like Early like DeviantArt days, and boy, it got. I made so much money.
0: <laughs> oh, it's still a thing. I mean, it's it's like blowing up on Instagram right now. Like kids are buying up adoptables. Oh
1: like how does it how does it work? Because like I feel like okay, I'm well. I'm not even that much older than you guys, but I'm like I am so out of my depth right now. My age. They're <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, I know, right? And I'm like Get ready for your mind to be blown. Oh yeah, because I'm like first of all, what's the difference
2: between like Neopets and adoptables? And it's, then like a difference. you know yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's different. You, uh, you might be able to explain it better, Megan.
2: Basically, you design a character for someone to use as their own like OC to draw or role play with, etc, etc. And there are specific rules, like sometimes you can't resell that character after you buy it from someone or you can't customize it. And sometimes you buy characters that exist in like an already existing role play world. So you'll see sometimes like someone creates this unique creature and they're like, "Buy one of my, I'm just going to use one of my examples. I had like these Griffins that were all colored based on martinis and like alcoholic drinks. <laughs> okay. And so everybody was clamoring to get one of these drink uh, Griffins because it existed like, it was kind of, you know what it's like? It's like getting digital, like vinyl toys. Like it's like collectible yes. toys by an artist. It's like blind oh. box toys. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, but you're buying like an art piece that you Oh, that nobody else can own so it feels really cool that you have it interesting it's it's weird that's and i don't so my millennial cool.
0: brain doesn't really get it but it's like i i can yeah i think describing it as vinyl toys is a good way to put it because i do get that
1: that's yeah that's really cool i feel like it's almost like if you like sell a tattoo design and then only that person can get it tattooed or something sure, yes yeah. yeah yeah that would make sense yeah yeah similar that makes sense to my old person brain which is actually yeah. not older than you guys, but, you know, not I'm going to pretend all. I'm old on for this episode. Old V. <laughs>
0: Grandma
2: V. Grandma. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That was a tangent. <laughs> adoptables and neopath.
0: This, this whole show is that.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Adoptables were great. I, that was like, I would always jump on all these trends, but then I got I couldn't do adoptables anymore because people started breaking those rules which they always do Mm. so people were like because i used to be kind of big in virtual pet sites and i would do this art and stuff and but then people would try to like buy the adoptables and then put them on their virtual pet sites as Mm. like pets basically people were just buying things being like well you said i could do whatever i want with it so i'm just buying your graphic design Uh, like that's not it So that's where, like, weird things start to happen, which is basically just commissions online in general, which, like, you know, you would put something online, like, I'll draw your character for $30, because it's like, whatever. And, you know, you don't expect notes. It's just having fun and doing fan art for people for money. But then you get people being like, well, I saw your commission prices online were only $30 for one drawing, and I want you to design all these logos for a company, so why are you charging me $300? Like these are two
0: that's not yeah
2: totally different things
0: it's supposed to be fun it's (laughs) like yeah people to ruin everything
2: yeah (laughs) it's true
0: just in general (laughs) (laughs) so how did you transition into animation like what was your sort of first gig or like what kind of got you interested in actually pursuing like tv animation
2: well okay let's see i was always like interested in making like little pixel sprites and stuff but i always thought it was like a hobby and, like, Halek like V said on, like, her, poc- like, her interview, um, how you thought it was, like, a cartoon factory. Like, I honestly was, like, this is not a job. Like, you don't mm-hmm. do that. Like, some, like, Disney does it. Like, the man Disney himself animates all those movies. So like, <laughs> you don't really think about it too much. Yeah. And then, I don't know, khaki board, there was this girl that posted an animation test of her OC. <laughs> and I was, like, what the hell is this? This is awesome. Because she was, like, oh, you know, I just did this for my animation assignment at college. I'm like, "Call you can do animation in college? (laughs) And I literally overnighted my, like, application to Ringling, which then jump-started me going career into animation. And, yeah, it just kind of... I was really just into it. I like could like visualize. I mean, Ringling's a really tough school too. So I at first was like, maybe I'm not good at this. But no, I was pretty good at it, I would say. And my first job wasn't in animation though. So there was a couple setbacks along the way. But yeah,
1: but
0: it's, you know, the path is never a straight line. And
2: that's also what we want to hear about. Yeah,
0: that's the interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And I think it also kind of makes artists more relatable and also it kind of depicts a, a more like realistic picture of what it's like to kind of start an animation and like kind of look for those gigs etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah yeah Tell us yeah. more about wrangling
2: sh- oh god do <laughs> <laughs> it spill it i want to hear it yeah I the the ringling tea is I mean it's all over online for anyone that goes on Twitter there's just it's a school there's a lot I I won't even go into all the problems of it I would say besides everything else that there's issues with the biggest thing is they create generalists which is like okay cool you're you know you're like 25% good at everything by the time you graduate so like yeah I could model in Maya and yeah I could render stuff and rig things and animate but your mind can only focus on like, you know, a couple of those tasks at a time. You can't really perfect anything.
0: Sure. Yeah.
2: So, and then like, you know, story and stuff, I felt like was kind of like bottom of the barrel because we're at other schools, you know, you're encouraged to make this like film and sometimes you get to make multiple films wrangling. Your curriculum is all surrounded by your one thesis film. Like junior year is all preparing and creating a story for your thesis film and everything has to go through the faculty and they have to approve if the story like fits in with the school's tone so you're not even really making your own thing you're kind of making what they want so basically it's just kind of like working in movies or tv animation it's like your teachers are your executives and they all have opinions on what they want and you kind of like for me ringling was really really expensive and my mom was like you have to get good grades because we couldn't afford the school so my, like, plan was just do whatever they say because I have to get an A, you know?
0: Right, so, right. So, you know,
2: my thesis film, we don't talk about that. It's <laughs> technically, it's fine. It's not exactly what I would have wanted, like, you know, it to be. But it, it is what it is. So, yeah, like, you kind of learn a little bit of everything, which is nice, I guess. But also, you know, you don't get really good at one thing. So by the time you graduate, they tell you, you know, they fill your head with like, you're going to get a job in DreamWorks and Disney and all these things. And then the recruiters come and they're like, cool. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what do you want to like pursue? And you're sitting there like dumbfounded, like what, what do I want to pursue? Like this yeah. whole time I've been like, my head's been like divided between like 10 different tasks. I guess I'm okay at design. I guess I'm okay at animate, like animating. So yeah, it's kind of like that weird mode of like, I had a Disney recruiter tell me my portfolio was awful in design. And I was like, oh, okay. So, it, which is also subjective, you know, recruiters, whatever. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it, I I don't regret going to Ringling because I met cool people there, but I do wish the curriculum, I don't know, was more expanded. It got kind of some similar ish to, goblanc to some extent in the way
0: similar to my school too
1: yeah it's just like you know like i when i think about it i also feel you like when you say like oh i don't like i didn't really have like a specific major that i could really dive into because when i was in goblanc like we didn't even really i mean at the time now it's probably different but like i didn't really study storyboard like we had barely like three weeks mm. you study storyboards and it's like edit and and then you know you just kind of get lucky in your like career path that you just kind of like stumble into storyboards and you're like I actually love this but yeah like the school is just kind of like <laughs> yeah for sure and I mean
2: exactly what you said too is basically me in storyboarding was that like it was always my favorite thing to do at Ringling but we didn't really like you kind of had we had like concept classes, like none of them. And you kind of like, you know, you were taught like rules of thirds and a couple things here and there, but man, it just, the way it was taught, I like had to unlearn everything after I graduated. It's funny. I looked at my very first like story. I'm doing air quotes, but you can't even see me. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel it. Story assignment. And it was like Arachne versus Athena. It probably still is the goddamn story assignment. They do, but basically you just have to like, They kind of like throw you in cold and they're like, do beat boards for like, you know, these main points of the story. And I did. And they were all like, I'm going to draw it like right here. They were like these super cool like Dutch angles. And I was having fun and I had like spider in the foreground. I don't know. Like I was just having fun with it and like up angles of like people and stuff. And then you went and after like everyone, you know, showed their thing, they're like, cool, that's all great. Now we're going to learn thirds. And so go take your like assignment and put everything on thirds and make it flat. And you're like, okay. So then you start, you know, which is just the problem of school sometimes is that you like, they make you draw the thirds over your drawing. And then you're like staring at it. Like, okay, I guess I have to make this person go exactly here oh, yeah. and then make this other thing go exactly here.
1: Yeah. And then
2: you're so focused on like, oh my God, the teacher's going to put the overlay of the thirds on this what am I doing? That all my stuff just became like super safe and super static because I was so caught up in like the 180 rule and the rule of thirds, which Uh, I don't know. Sometimes when you're boarding, like if it looks right, it's right. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's so true. Yeah. I I relate to that a lot. (laughs) It wasn't until like after graduating that like, and like working in the industry that I was like, oh, I can have fun with this. Like I can do fun things and do you know, cool staging. I don't always have to have these characters standing right next to each other.
0: Yeah, it sucks how much damage art schools can actually do more than helping a lot of their artists. I feel like that we're going to hear that a lot because it's definitely true for me. And V, I think you talked about it in your episode too. And it's just like going to a school that feels like it's, in our art school that's trying to help everyone, but ends up helping no one because it's like, mm. people have different goals, but they're not really getting the right information for any of them. And so, yeah, I had, to, like you said, I had to unlearn a lot of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it sucks.
1: And I feel like, but at the same time though, like we all agree too that like when you go to art school, that's where you meet like a lot of cool people. Yeah. I feel like sometimes art school, like the number one thing about it is that you build like a pretty strong network just because you meet all your classmates. Yeah. Mm-hmm that's, like, all you
0: get out of it, that's probably pretty worthwhile, but... Yeah. But, you know, that's an expensive uh, group of friends to get.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you can avoid it, you should, but... Just
1: learn it all online. You
0: could, at this point, yeah.
1: If you're American, because if you are studying abroad and you need a visa later on, you do need a diploma. It's true. But you can get a diploma in community colleges or the equivalent of what is state colleges in uh I mean at least in France and I guess that is also that also works so that was the asterisk to them learning
2: online no yeah. that's actually a good point because I actually kind of hate when people say don't like you know there's a lot of people that give advice online which I'm all about but it's kind of can be like you know like a blanket statement or blanket advice not everyone has the same situation you're living in and like for me I had to go to college, you know, even though I couldn't afford it. Like that is the goal that was created by my family. Like, right, you need to be successful. You need to go to college, you know. Not yeah. everyone has those kind of like family social pressures, and like V was saying, like international and there's all that stuff. So it is what it is.
0: Yeah, no, that's what happened to me too. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: I guess it's just like it's the for the people who have a, a choice in the matter. Like I. I don't know if it's good to bog yourself down with debt if if you feel like you can mm-hmm. figure it out on your own, you know?
1: Yeah. It's also like a personality. I feel like I like looking back sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I had the personality back when I was like 19 to actually set goals for myself and like complete them and like be all gung-ho about drawing every day. I feel like kind of college gave me the structure with like clear goals and projects to finish so like by the end of the three years I had like I I, I made stuff <laughs> <laughs> made stuff but um yeah so college and like what um what
2: was it like when you graduated I mean I was terrified because I graduated with no job <laughs> <laughs> which is like basically because you know you're setup, are set up you're all the recruiters like the students come to your school You're all, oh, that was the other thing about Ringling. I don't know what other schools do. It might be the same. They, um, you have to like apply to a lottery system to even be interviewed. So like you Mm -hmm. apply to even be able to apply for the interview. And, you know, I only got that one Disney one. And then I was devastated after that. And then (laughs) there was another, that's a lie. There was another interview where they did like an open one for like 20 people in the room. And the recruiter and this guy basically just told us that he was disappointed in everyone. Oh, and it was like, because, you know, we're all in there excited. Like, oh my God, we got this interview with this big studio. And this is so great. Look at all of us. And yeah, there's like 20 of us. And they had donuts on the table too. It was so weird. And the guy came in and was just like, I just got to say, I'm really disappointed in the school this year. I'm disappointed in all of you. You really could have oh like put more work into this. And we were all like, is this a joke? Mm-hmm. Is this a Right? We've just come off of like the 24 hour labs, like working till like 3 or 4 a.m. on our thesis. And Shit. this guy is just telling us we didn't do enough, even though half of us probably almost died over these deadlines. So, yeah, you graduate and you're like, God damn. But there was one interview that had nothing to do with Ringling, or it didn't have something to do with Ringling, but nothing to do with animation. My curriculum, which kind of started everything, was that Hasbro would come to Ringling for the game art uh, major. Because they're all into, they learn ZBrush. And for toys, you sculpt a lot of toys in ZBrush now. Mm-hmm. So they always came, like, came over to like do the ZBrush thing with game art kids. But then this one year, they happened to have a proc designer come who was just curious and like, hey, I want to see, you know, some of the art stuff. And so I got that interview and <laughs> what I ended up showing him, he was kind of like, you know, he was like, eh, you know, the animation stuff is fine. then in the back of my portfolio he's like oh now this is great and it was my goddamn nerd galaxy virtual pet site
0: art i did
2: in high school and the beginning of ringling it all all full circle yes because it's basically toy design because on those websites if you don't know you'd you know there'd be an event like christmas time and you have to create like six different versions of a christmas tree that all the people Mm -hmm. collect or like a bouncy ball or a plush, and then you have to create all these variations on it, and like a pet, and the different, like pet, yeah, we call them enchantments on Nerd Galaxy, but it's basically like paintbrushes on Ner, uh, Neopets, which is basically like product design where you create you know, a doll or a character or a toy, and it has all these variations. So that's kind of what started everything, was that my little job on Nerd Galaxy <laughs> got me a job at Hasbro in Rhode Island. And that's what I started off with. (laughs) And it was, it was pretty fun. That's
1: amazing. That's so amazing. I can't believe like how, yeah, like none of the things that you learned in college got you the first job. I mean, they did, but you know.
2: (laughs) No, I never, not really. I never showed anyone my thesis film. No one ever saw it. It was not really. Wait, needed. wasn't it the one that you showed you showed us though, like the one with the girl in the go like in the ghost? And... Don't speak of it. Okay, oh, <laughs> it's fine. No, I actually. B. <laughs> Whoopsie! I still think my idea is golden. It was really cute. I'll say what the idea is. It's basically a hairstylist at night in her salon, like wrapping up. She's about to leave, but then all this ghost stuff starts happening, and she's haunted by like basically like one of the ghosts from The Ring or The Grudge. Super long hair. It's this whole thing where the ghost is about to get her. When like there's this turning point where the stylist is just like, she screams because you know, she's the ghost. But twist, she screams because she's like, oh, your hair is awful. And then gives her this haircut and defeats the ghost. I thought that was really cute and clever. But whatever.
1: (laughs) Thesis film. I think it's a good twist. It's really cute. It
2: was cute. I didn't know what I was doing. Animation itself, like, didn't actually click until after I graduated. Like, that's just, just what happens probably with a lot of people. It's like, as soon as all the pressure and like the technicalities and all the rules disappeared, I was like, oh, animation is just cheating. Like, yes, yeah, it oh, it yeah. doesn't even matter, <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, yeah. I feel like college teaches a lot of, yeah, it's like too much technical stuff, and, mm-hmm. and you never actually learn how to animate.
2: And, like, I know it was, uh,
0: the important stuff,
2: it was something like, in fact, the one thing I like it started to click right before we graduated with this one scene in my film where there was this huge complicated thing where like she has to cut all the ghost's hair. Which, if you want to do that in like Maya, like, god forbid you're a student like me. I'm not going to learn hair dynamics. I don't have time for that crap. My rig was broken. There was, so, oh God. What I basically did was I just kind of, I didn't cheat. I was smart. I painted like a rectangle of like hair, let's say. Mm -hmm. Like it looked like this. It was like, and I just kind of like gave it like hair strokes and put like, you know, glow effects on Photoshop. And then I brought it into After Effects and like put like the bones in it and all that stuff. Mm. And then just all I did for Maya was render out like my thesis character's hand and like the scissors. Mm. And then I just animated the rest in After Effects and comped it to make it look like it was CG hair being cut. No one knew.
1: Yeah, that's clever. It was great. (laughs) Honestly, like you're an After Effects wizard. Like all the stuff you
2: do in After Effects is like really good. (laughs) I love After Effects. I just taught it myself. It's just like Yeah, it's just the program of cheating. Just put a bunch of crap on, like like filters and smudges and whatever you want, and it just makes things look real and professional.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, blur, blur. Do like a layer on top, blur it. Mm -hmm, That gives a nice little bloom.
2: Yep, do a little bit of that. Add a little bit of noise, but add a little bit of blur to that noise. All that stuff. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's really funny that everyone goes through the same thing. I thought that was just me. (laughs) Yeah, it's It's all. I think that. uh, that's interesting, though. And I, I I think that that's a lot of... That's definitely a lot of animation is just, like, how can I get this done with as little effort as possible mm-hmm. and still have it look good? It's true. I don't know if you can teach that. I think that's something you have to just kind of learn and, like... I feel
1: like... I feel like... Uh, I don't know. For me, I feel like I... I was taught, like, a bunch of cheats when I started storyboarding on this show that had basically no budget, the Kobushi show, mm-hmm. because it was just, like, one of the most ex- more experienced board artists was just like, hey, let's watch some anime together and let's, like, like pick apart a couple shots and see how they cheat. Because anime is so good with cheats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, I kind of... I feel like you could definitely structure a class around that, you know? Like, find, a, like, a bunch of, like, scenes and cool examples of, like, how there are, like, some really clever sh- uh, cheats in, in shows or animation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be a way to teach it. Yeah. But going
2: back to
1: your first job!
2: Oh, God. The, the Hasbro one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I started off here. I'll draw her. Oh God, I already messed up. (laughs) I started off in associate product designer, which is like the lowest of low, but it's fine. It was my first job. I was working on Angry Birds and it was this like different like offshoot franchise called Angry Birds Stella and she was so dang cute. And yes, it was like the girl Angry Birds game, but she was this cute little bird. Oh my God, I can't remember. She had two or three tufts. It's fine. (laughs) Robio don't hate me I'm sorry but (laughs) it was this little toy and we basically had a yeah there was like different outfits and different like accessories and a playhouse and all this stuff so it was basically doing like my virtual pet site art except now someone like made it and it's crazy like I would draw like turnarounds and then an engineer would look at it and make sure like a factory could build it and then like Mm -hmm. the model shop would like send me over like a gray version of my drawing and they'd be like does this look like what you had in your head and that's really cool and it was nuts yeah it was like so much power (laughs) it was like oh my god like what an awesome job it was pretty i mean it was pretty fun but also really stressful like toys itself is an insane kind of job like think animation stressful like it's one of those kind of things (laughs) where it's you're, there's no union there's like crazy deadlines oh, yeah you don't get paid enough for doing kind of a lot of the same things we do in um what's it called animation so mm-hmm. it was a lot of, like lots of late nights and things but it was kind of worth it because the teams I work with were always great and like you know seeing kids with your toys and like play test your toys is insane because I loved toys when I was a kid I was so protective over my toys I had like buckets of all my favorite things. And I just love them so much. To see kids like have that same reaction or a bad reaction to something you make was kind of like, Oh God, I'm affecting someone's childhood memories. (laughs) They're going to have that thing and they're going to remember it. And they're going to find it one day in their closet and be like, Oh, I used to love that toy. Mm -hmm. So it was that kind of like craziness. But yeah, I was in Rhode Island working on Angry Birds for guess, like a year and a half-ish? Yeah, something like that. And then I worked on a couple other things, too. But I really wanted to, like, you know, go into animation, because that's what I went to school for. So I basically strong-armed Hasbro into (laughs) making me transfer, because I heard at Rhode Island that they were building an LA office, which is going to be, like, the brand new thing. And it was going to be cool, because... They were getting a new secret property and it was going to be this huge deal. So they had to be in LA so they could work with the studio. The big secret property, it's not secret anymore. They basically were acquiring the um, Disney princess license, Mm. which is for toy stuff was a huge deal because Mattel owned it for like ever and it makes so much money. So Hasbro got it and they were building this LA office out here for it. So I was like, I wanna go to LA. I'm going to LA no matter what. So I quit or I'm going to LA, which I don't know is the smartest thing you should do and tell your employer, but that's basically how I prefaced it. But it worked in my case, so the risk was worth it. (laughs) And then I moved out to LA and I lived with Carl. And then I just started working in like this startup Hasbro studio. And it was pretty cool. Like I didn't, I did some stuff for Disney Princess, But I ended up being put onto the DreamWorks Trolls team before it was announced as a thing like the whole big trolls revival and it was like amazing like I still talk to those people all the time it was a really fun like little crew we had and I love those little trolls so much they're so Mm -hmm. cute
1: (laughs) they are really cute the designs are so good
2: I know they're so good and it was crazy being like Because, you know, you have to build and make toys, like, years. Like, a year and a half, two years in advance of when a movie or a product, like, anything comes out. Because toys take forever. You have to, like, not only to do all this designing, then it has to, like, be manufactured overseas, and then that has to be put on these huge cargo ships that get sent all over the world. And when I was there, apparently, there's only, like, two times, like, stores stock their shelves. Oh, really? Hmm. So, like, March was one of them, and I think January was the other. So, like... You want to get new toys those are the times to go to the toy store because that's when they're like the official stock time happening except size. for star wars like so star wars because it's disney and it's star wars they have they can do whatever the hell they want so if they want to like have their toys hit the shelves on any date they can it's you can't stop star wars
0: Damn, yeah, this is really yeah. inter- this is really interesting okay yeah. yeah
2: so you know so those are basically your like your deadlines is like okay it has to release at this time or this time and of course all the studios want you to release you know when their movie comes out but you can't always do that but yeah so it's kind of weird so like in trolls and like other like movie properties you're basically developing these toys when the movie's not even done yet and sometimes you're starting when they only have development art so like a lot of the stuff we were working off of it was just like development art of you know the trolls and which is fine like they were super cute but you kind of are going blind and just hoping boy i hope the movie doesn't change because this is what we're making and you know you'd have meetings and all this stuff and you'd go in and you're like okay everything's going great the movie did change (laughs) by the time in fact we saw it and it was different than the toys that came out but it's fine because our toys were cute and doesn't matter but basically yeah it was like we were like working towards this one thing and so like all of our like poppy toys had like crowns because it was a different plot point of the movie but when the movie came out had nothing to do with like being a princess and having a crown and a coronation so that was fun but that's (laughs) why in case you ever see like you know feature film property toys like Disney or whatever kind of toys on the shelves that don't at all match the movie it's because it probably was the old version so I feel bad now for any time you get those fans be like this doesn't this is not movie accurate well it was movie accurate a year ago but you just don't know what the movie used to be. So that was an interesting hurdle to yeah. kind of work around.
0: So it's like a moving target that everyone's trying to hit, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's constantly moving. And we were oh, seeing man. like footage of like the movie like 2 weeks like not 2 weeks, all right, 2 months before the movie came out. We were we were like getting footage and then that that footage was not in the movie when we all went to see it as a crew. So you're we like, "Oh." So then it's like, "Oh, even internally they don't like know what the movie is sometimes." So, yeah, it's kind of it's a challenge to work for toys cuz you're always just trying to reach something and make you're basically just making guesses and being like I hope that this is the direction the movie goes in.
1: Yeah, yeah. totally. Wow, that's so crazy cuz yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a really I I don't know much about that uh that industry. Like I I would love to make toys. I was actually looking into getting quotes to make like a small run of little like resin figures today for something, something secret. But yeah. it's expensive and uh Yeah, that's interesting to know about, like, how the big companies sort of
2: do it. Yeah, it's very expensive to make your own toys. But hey, if you want pointers, just make sure you make things flat. (laughs) Because as (laughs) as soon as you make things, like, not symmetrical, then you have all these different, like, they have to make a bunch of different casts and molds, and it's very complicated, which is why most vinyl figures are, like, Funko Pops, where it's just, like, shaped like this, and they have their arms splayed out, because basically the mold is just, like, two pieces That's all you have to worry about. But as soon as someone wants their arm forward, you're screwed. That arm has to be made in a different mold. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it's all just painted on, like all the details painted on.
2: It is painted on, but they also have like, it was called like tampo. So basically like you give them vector art. So Mm -hmm. the eyes would be vector and they would all be different. Like you have to call it the Pantone colors. So this would be like the eye and then the iris and like this and this. So, and then, you know, there's the black, whatever. So you give them the vector and what they do is, I guess it's, it's like a stamp basically. It's a stamp mm-hmm. of paint and it's super clean, which is what you see on most stuff. Like if it looks good and this is like, this is what you want to do. You don't want to do hand painted details. It's super expensive because someone has to go in there and then it's always going to look a little off. Yeah, but yeah. You can do this and like, basically like we would cost it by like how many hits it does. So like this, this would be like it, you know, all the colors is like one hit. So you'd have to like, it was like math involved. Yeah. Whoa. If you want, so that if like the eye, like if this was, I guess I have colors in here, don't I?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not so great, if that but... was
2: like red, the red would be like one hit. The black would be one, two, because of like the eyelashes. So I guess that would just be like one hit. And then the white would be behind it. So it would be like what, four hits, which is pretty good, because then you dupe it to the other side. So that could be all done at once, which is why faces and toys are pretty flat, so they can do the eyes at the same time. It's a whole thing. That's why Disney dolls and like Barbies all kind of have the same shape because you yeah. got to save money so you can have cool hair and cool outfits. This is fascinating.
0: Yeah. I, toys. I, didn't, I mean, I assume there must be some automated process for getting the color on the toys, but I had no idea. I had no idea how that actually was executed.
2: It's pretty cool. Like it seems complicated at first, but when oh my god these legs are broken <laughs> once you get the hang of it it's like oh okay this all makes sense like you start like i don't know your brain just starts working in 3d and you're like okay how would the the machine like figure out where to like press these colors on and all this stuff
0: damn so how do they i mean i don't know how much of the process you know like as far as the factory but like they obviously like they have molds they probably have do they have colored plastic that they mm-hmm. sort of you okay so they like put colored plastic through a conveyor belt and but then like how does it get that specific with those stamps like because it seems like that's really hard
2: if it's vector you can like basically just print exactly what you create as long as like the plastic isn't like super groovy you know like if it's not a lot of bumps you can go nuts with it like trying to think i feel like oh i'm not looking at i'm looking for an amiibo but you don't see an amiibo here <laughs> i think a lot of like the details on amiibos are hand painted but that's why they're so expensive yeah yeah like most like vinyl toys and stuff like those collectible ones a lot of that is just the stamp like the tampo which you can see when it's super clean like if you don't see like brush jerks or anything like that's all hand when it's brushed.
0: So- Yeah, so like the Funko Pops are probably all stamped.
2: Most of it, yeah. And they also mask it, which is why the Funko Pops can be kind of sloppy. So you'll see like color bleeding on the edges sometimes. Because they'll have a mask and then they'll just spray like the color on top. And depending, you kind of have to work smart too, because you obviously don't want to spray a light color on a dark color. Because that means you have to spray it twice. Because if you only spray it once, it's not thick enough and you'll get like that weird, like see-throughness. Sure. So like when you're designing, you want to be like, okay, you want to make a light color. So that way you can, you know, spray a dark color. You don't have to do it once. It's a lot more, you know, saving money and all that stuff. Boy,
0: man. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's like a lot of, that's a lot of problem solving to have to consider. Uh
2: And then basically (laughs) you're given a price point. So like marketing and engineers are like, okay, this, you know, I'm going to erase this little mushroom guy because he looks bad. But, like, <laughs> you'll get a price point, and you're like, okay, this is, like, the $4.99 figure, and this is the size of your box, and the dimensions of your box can only allow, like, one-inch depth, so your doll can't, like, go past that, and you can only have one accessory. Go make it unique and interesting, and you're like, oh! Man. oh. And so then, like, every color, everything you do, like, adds to you know, the cost of the figure, even the plastic. So if you have, like, the plastic, like, seal on the outside, like, for trolls, it was, like, troll hair. That costs money, too. So you have all these things working, like, kind of against you, but it's also kind of fun because it's, like, problem-solving.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going (laughs) to say. That that sounds kind of fun because it's, like... When there's limitations you have to get creative and like when when you're given a, a blank slate or like a blank canvas it's like do whatever you want it's like i don't know what i want to do <laughs> like it's
1: yeah too much i agree with mm-hmm. that it's a lot i feel like tv honestly like starting my career in tv has helped me a lot progress as an artist because there's so much problem problem solving to be done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're like a more a lot more efficient with your choices so i would kind of see that yeah, also for like toys and just like starting a career as an artist, you're like, okay, like this, is, those are the limitation within which I can be creative.
2: Yep, yeah, for sure. Which is probably why I'm like, I would call myself an efficient board artist.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, I don't bullshit around or anything. I just want to try to make things work in like the least possible scenes and shots in the most effective way, the clearest way. I don't want to kill myself by like adding all this unnecessary flourish or great. Yeah. anything because it's not necessary. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm sure directors love that too.
2: I hope so. I think. I that. mean, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to add a little flourish. Like if you're boarding a song, like sometimes you do have to board the track and add like extra beats and extra poses so things hit. But for like a basic talking scene, you don't need the character like – to move 15 times to say one line, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, 100%. I feel like it's always like that thing about like, just like picking your battles. Like, okay, like there, you can allow yourself like a a couple moments when you're gonna go really extra during the episode, but all the other moments, like just kind of like keeping it more. For sure. And how was your transition? Like, how did you transition from toys to animation?
2: (laughs) I really wanted to work in animation. And I was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. But at the same time that like, I was like ready to leave toys. My boyfriend, Carl was on this one show, Wacky Races, or no, he wasn't on Wacky Races. His old director from Benicula was on Wacky Races and they needed a board artist like immediately. So he threw my name in the hat and I did a test and that's how I got that. And I did the test in Photoshop. Oh really? Cause I had no, <laughs> yeah. Cause he... I don't know what, like that's the other thing with Ringling. No one tells you what Sturbo Pro is like, you do everything in Photoshop because they're like in feature mode, you know? So right. I, luckily Starboard Pro is super easy to learn. But yeah, my whole test was like in Photoshop with the grayscale, like gradient backgrounds for depth, for wacky races. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I Those boards for that test were like way too beautiful, <laughs> but I quickly like broke out of that. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then... After, like, that, I mean, I've just been jumping around ever since. I was on Wacky Races for, I don't even know, I guess a year, maybe less than a year. Everything's kind of a blur after I started Wacky Races. Started on Wacky Races, jumped around. I did some freelance for Nick. I went to Disney TVA for a little bit. And then after that is when I started on Thundercats, which is, like, when I feel like I really got my groove. And, like, I was, like, oh, I can storyboard. Like, I really like have finally figured this out and it's I'm not like sweating over every time I get a script like that show in particular for me like it really fit my kind of sensibility because it was just super like fun you just you could do whatever you want basically you could like go crazy with you know angles or if you just want someone's face to like have a little tiny cat mouth and little dot (laughs) eyes you could just do it And it was super appealing and like just super fun and they encouraged us to like get creative with things and it just yeah it was like a playground of just having fun and like doing whatever we could do with the medium. So I feel like I leveled up on that show.
0: <laughs> yeah, everyone I know, I know a, a good amount of people that worked on that. And like everyone I know that worked on, it I came out of it, it was just like feeling fulfilled, which is like not very common. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good.
1: Which is really funny because it's like, yeah, for like I feel the same way about Thundercats Roar. It's, I was, I remember even telling the showrunner, Victor, like I told him like, oh, usually I always need to do personal art on the side but this was the only time in my career where where I don't really feel the need to do that because mm. mm. it was creatively very fulfilling because you could explore and do so much and but we still got hate so that was fun so like wow. it, I still get hate
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the internet
1: yeah, yeah we get all the hate from it but at the same time like like you can do everything like during the show so I don't know it was like really fun like interesting an interesting moment like really funny to see like how Outside, people are like, ah, you suck. But, like, the day-to-day job, at least uh, as a board artist, was, like, so fun.
2: Yeah, it was super fulfilling. And also, like, technically, like, even though it's super simple, like, the board is really technically, like, intricate. Like, we were doing some, like, animated camera moves, which is something you don't really see on shows anymore. But we were doing it. Like, just crazy things that, yeah, you haven't seen a lot. So, I'm glad I got to, like, work out those action muscles.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the benefit of the designs being so simple, too. It's, like, yeah. you're... It's, it's cheaper to to do those kind of crazy camera moves and stuff when it's not, like, a detailed character.
1: It was really do- tough, though. Like, the showrunner, like, we, we, we would hang out with him a lot, and he would kind of tell us, like, stories of, like, how uh, when he would fly to Korea and stuff. Like, sometimes it was kind of hard for... The Korean studios to take full not ownership but like to feel confident that they could kind of break the model because mm-hmm. a lot of the studios they're so used to work with shows that are super tight super on model but when you tell them like, "Oh yeah, like go crazy," they're like, oh. "Are you sure?" They're like, mm-hmm. "Do you really want that?" Because when we've done that in the past, that didn't go well. Interesting.
0: So
2: <laughs> there's like a little bit of, a, yeah. <laughs> so they've yeah. they've been
0: they've been hurt before. Too. Exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the characters were really simple. I loved them course i forget how to draw titara oh no why did i start drawing her Uh oh. <laughs> ah, nobody look at that
0: we'll edit this up
2: okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's silly how much how much hate that show got but it, you know what like it's an established ip and the people complaining are all like in their 30s and like us <laughs> miss their childhood yeah well i guess but you know
2: <laughs> i don't care if they hate it they have every right to like yeah sp- like not like the iteration i feel like the thing that drives me the craziest is that they're just like in an echo chamber of repeating what everyone else says when you know that none of them have even watched it. Like sure. they're just like, oh, they did this thing again. Did you know this is? They just did like a Teen Titans Go joke, and I'm like, you, yeah. you clearly haven't watched the show.
0: Yeah, Cal Art style.
2: Oh my yeah. god, I don't think any of us even went to Cal Art. I don't. No, yeah, probably not. No one, no one went to Cal Art. No, it's like, what are you talking about, man? That's so funny. That ah, yeah,
0: bad, bad animation takes.
1: Yeah. But that, but that's when you transitioned to being a director. That was when you were on Thundercats, and ever since yeah tell us a little bit more about like your career the transition between boards and directing and also like the other gigs that you went on
2: oh yeah so like yeah at the very end one of the directors was leaving thundercats so then i got the opportunity to step up and it was great and so i was like you know i was able to get more ownership like over the episode which is i don't know about everybody else but like that's something i've always wanted to do yeah i also i'm I'm, like also really like satisfied by like leading a team and it's just something that I think I like I don't know I don't know why I gravitated to to it so much maybe because it was like something that I kind of did at Hasbro where basically like when you work on a toy it's you are the boss of like this thing you are making so I was already pretty kind of used to that situation so when I jumped on the directing for Thundercats It was kind of like a similar thing where, like, you're hitting all these deadlines, you have to make sure that, like, your product slash show is, like, hitting the budget and hitting all these, like, criteria. So it's, you know, like one of those things where you're problem solving. Like, it might, for some people, like, directing might not be as creatively fulfilling, depending on the, you know, the show and the production. But for me, like, I get a lot of satisfaction from making something from start to finish and, like, seeing it through. So, directing has been really fun. Like after Thundercats, I had jumped on Back to boards just for a little bit on Cuphead, which was also Mm -hmm. super satisfying, amazing show. And that one was more like board driven. So I was still able to get like that satisfaction of like seeing something through and putting my own spin on things. So that was another kind of challenging show in its own way where different from Thundercats where Thundercats was super actiony and all this stuff. Cuphead, had this whole different, like, world and era that it was, like, getting its inspiration and style from. So, like, you know, every show you work on, you have to, like, change your sensibilities and all that jazz. And then, let's see, and then after Cuphead, then, yeah, I got a director's offer for what I'm on now, which is Middlemost Post, so I'm back to doing it again. Nice. Yeah, it's great. a Nickelodeon! Yeah! I finally get, well, I would have been finally able to work in-house at Nick, but... We're in a pandemic, so it's fine. still at home. (laughs) No office for you. I know. I'm in my living room right now. It's it's acceptable. (laughs) Let's just say that.
0: It's it's sort of like having an office, I guess. Sure.
2: I have a couple dividers up to block myself out from the kitchen and my cat. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's fine.
0: God, yeah, we all, we make do Mm -hmm. with what what we were stuck with when we uh, all got stuck at home. Yeah. That's cool. Do you
1: want to ask about inspirations now? Like, (laughs) we've been okay because that's Gene's segment.
0: (laughs) That's my segment. Oh boy, is it my segment? Is that okay? Yeah,
1: it is your segment now.
0: Well, yeah, I like to, I always like to hear what sort of were the big like three influences that people had that kind of got them going, and like, and which is sometimes a big ask. So if you can't think of any right away, that's fine, but like. Specifically, was there any kind of moment or something you watched or read that really made you want to do this and really, like, started you on the path?
2: Oh, my God. Um, That is a big ask. Let's see. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends. I guess, like, really far back, it was, you know, cartoons, just like Cartoon Network was the cool new network that I would watch when I was a kid. And I was entranced by it. And it was also cool because my parents would watch it. So I felt like, oh, my God, this is magical. Like, Courage the Catterly Dog was, like, my favorite show. And we would always sit down and watch it, and I would draw all the characters. And that's still probably why I draw my cat with these little feetsies with the three toes. Uh, Yeah, the little (laughs) so damn cute. (laughs) So that probably has always been seeping into my subconscious, especially, like, all the textures in that show. Like, I... I've always kind of gone nuts with textures on my art. I don't care. It's great. And (laughs) Courage Carly Dog, all those backgrounds and things. It was like mixed media, different styles. Yeah. It just, man. That
0: show was gorgeous. Yeah. Bread
2: and butter. I loved it. And it was creepy. I love like that creepy, cute sensibility so Mm -hmm. much. And that show just was that, you know, like you loved Courage. And even like some of the monsters were like sweet and endearing. Yeah. Even though it was absolutely terrifying. So I would say that's like a big one on my list.
0: Courage is great. I think that there's not enough horror, like kids horror, mm-hmm. um, which sounds weird, I guess. But like, but we, you know, like <laughs> our generation grew up with it and, and we loved it and it seemed to do well. I don't know. And it weirdly, it just kind of like fell off. It disappeared. Nobody wants to green light any kind of like horror kids animation or horror adjacent.
2: Yeah, I don't
1: know why. It's been something that they've been kind of like looking into again recently. I think like I don't know. I've kind of heard that like that's something that like execs have been like kind of considering. Like
0: yeah, I've heard that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like also probably, I don't know. At least in France, I don't know in the U.S., but at least in France, there. And I think it's still going on right now. There was this whole trend that like you cannot, you absolutely cannot scare the kids. And there was even the word mm. um, that was that they would use to describe anything that is remotely kind of making you uncomfortable hmm. so even like for example if your character's eyes were too big they could call it this word and they're like oh it's too big it's like it's it kind of makes people feel uncomfortable
2: so you, what's the word uh
1: in french it's anxiogène but i don't know it, yeah. it basically means no i just hear it. In, in, inducing anxiety it's like anxiety okay. inducing i guess oh
0: i see huh. i can i can hear that yeah
1: yeah, like this puddle is too big. It's anxiety inducing. You gotta make it smaller. It's, this puddle is what? too big. No, for real. Like I'm not even making this up. It's like <laughs> like yeah, like and that's one of the things I keep saying that I keep bring back. It's like there was a show that I was work- that I was working on as a board artist. We couldn't make the main character frown because if he was frowning in any kind of way, it made him look mean. So frowning was like forbidden uh, expression that's insane only arced eyebrows
2: (laughs) oh my god
1: I know it was insane I think they're kind of like I think hopefully maybe they're kind of getting off that like weird train but I know there was like it was at least like a 10-year period where it was just like no we gotta like super overprotect the kids and basically make everything extremely safe so, nothing can make them anxious
0: that's that's crazy I don't know whatever that might be a whole other <laughs> topic. Of I just think it's it's so crazy to like worry about kids it's like people kids need to experience things in a safe way like there's there's yeah value i think to like toying with those emotions a little bit because if you don't you just like get repressed and weird and that's
1: that's true true. and honestly it's exactly what you said is like uh cartoons are the safest way for kids to experience things that are scary because it's like you have like complete control over what you're watching you have like the remote control so if it's too scary you press like pause but i know that i don't know i feel like we do have to confront our fears like i would always come back to like picture books that had like really like I don't know I was super scared of dogs when I was a little kid and there was like this yeah. book with like a super scary wolf on the cover because it was like all like gnarly and like snarling and stuff and I was just like every time I looked at it, I was so scared but like I would yeah kind of like it was on the shelf I would kind of like slowly kind of like take it out and then like put it back
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, too much well yeah. I, I think that like that is uh it's primal you know like you we all have the capacity to like feel that stuff and so it's like it, it gives you that little rush of adrenaline even as a kid and uh it's that's healthy like it's normal like you, sh- you should yeah. lean into it
1: yeah. yeah yeah there's probably even a study or something recently that came out that like execs are like oh probably you should we should be making more uh, scary God, shows. I
0: promise you that that's like I feel like anytime there's any kind of change positive change it's like a study came out. <laughs> <I believe it. laughs> yeah. So like what are what other sort of um are there things outside of animation that uh that you really enjoy that kind of fuel you or you feel like we're an influence on you?
2: I get like television that's not mm-hmm. cartoons. As you sure. knows, I love the Fargo TV series mm-hmm. so goddamn much. <laughs> it's insane. Wow. Okay. I like rewatch the second season a bunch of time because it's just it's just cool like I don't know like I know cool is such like a lame word but it really Uh, is just it just bleeds cool and I want the things I do like be the same way like they do things with like split screens and there's just so much attention to detail with like sound effects like a character will just be looking and you hear a little like Ding, in the background, and you're like, "Oh my god, that was like oh. a little sound cue. That means this like person's psyche just kind of snapped, and they're gonna do something crazy. Like oh. really subtle things. It's just, oh my god, I feel like I get a high off watching. I never it. watched. Oh it. my god, watch oh, it. it. Oh, you
1: should watch it. I've, I've I I haven't yeah. watched the new seasons, but season two was amazing. It's season two so is so good. good. Season it's three
2: good, yeah. is weird. It in it, 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 it season three seems to be the least favorite because I think it was just it's very abstract and kind of like out there and it has almost like kind of a different tone, but this new season out season four is like back on track and boy, it is so good. So yeah, yeah, I try to get inspired by like, not animation usually.
0: (laughs) Good, that's probably good, yeah. Yeah,
2: I don't, Well, okay, here it comes V. I, uh, the only animation (laughs) I would say I've been really obsessed with and you're all gonna laugh, I love American Dad so okay. much I think the writing is great and it's also so funny like just for like the things of certain timing and like editing jokes like I really appreciate stuff like that which is like similar to Fargo where there's a certain sound effects or like the way a character would do a take that just makes things like go from like an eight funny to like a ten funny mm-hmm. and those are the kind of things that I just get like all my satisfaction from. It's just stupid little clever things that someone like took an extra five minutes out of their day to be like, but what if we did this? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's like the opposite of lazy writing. It's just, it's so good. And I know everyone hates Seth MacFarlane and it's fine. And they have their dumb (laughs) little eyes that look like this. And I get it. (laughs) adult animation. My God, that (laughs) alien. But Alien's funny, everyone. Steve Mm -hmm. is funny. I love that show all i've been watching i used to
0: watch it all the time
2: i don't even think i've
1: ever watched american dad really?
2: like i because I, I always oh
1: confuse God. it with the other one family, family guy yeah because
2: they
0: have such a they're different such energy. different yeah.
1: shows <laughs> i know they're different but for me it's like they're both two-word shows with a family that is like adult sure. at cartoon so my brain always like meshes them together and yeah like they're this <laughs> they're very different yeah well, i mean
2: that's like you and most of everyone. They're like, oh, it's just Seth MacFarlane, whatever. But it's like, no, like, American Dad, like, the characters are actual characters. Like, they're not just like, they are tropes, but not in the way where, like, family guy, it's just you cut to a character and there's a flashback and a pop culture reference. Woohoo! We're smart. It's like, that's lazy. American Dad, they have, like, Steve is this little weenie and his voice gets really high sometimes when he screams (laughs) and that's just so satisfying or they'll do like I don't know like an extra like beat of these characters like looking at each other awkwardly and then they'll say something unexpected it's just I don't know really satisfying they also do like lots of fourth wall stuff which I always get a kick from I love kind of like fourth wall humor and acknowledging like the tropes you're in like the episode I just watched today was just an episode where i know this is lamb going off an american dad no, no go whatever for it. No, <laughs> i love
1: that i love that you just watched the episode
2: today I watch it <laughs> every day for lunch because now it's all on hulu and you don't have to wait because they were locked away on tbs forever uh, but the episode that we watched today was like roger the alien and steve they're like they run away they have a fight with the dad whatever and they're in a boarding school for girls and as like the, sh- the episode proget- progresses the alien roger's like something is wrong about this everything is like adding up too conveniently like these, these feel like bad like sh- lazy writing and then like yeah. it's a reveal that they discover they're in like their own spinoff show oh so what they, okay. they spend the rest of the episode being like oh my god we have to break out th- we have to break out of the spinoff show we'll never go back to your family again <laughs> so they're trying to avoid all these tropes and it's just <laughs> like that shit is so satisfying because like i don't know we all work in the industry so being able to like see something where like it's all about what we do but like in a really funny unique way I yeah I love it I love it so much so yeah that's really my shout out to American Dad I don't
0: think you're alone in that I think please watch it I think people uh like to you know pretend like they're above it but I think a lot of people watch it it's like it's super successful like it's a huge show and yeah
2: and you know and like everyone has to stop taking themselves seriously you know like I don't know. I sometimes entertainment can be great just because it's another sitcom show doesn't mean it's bad. You know, like yeah. there's value in everything. I mean, I love all my stupid food network shows, whatever. Like it's, <laughs> it's fun. And then you get ideas off of all these weird things that you wouldn't think would ever like connect to what you do, you know, in your real life, but 100%. Yeah, it all inspires you in some weird way. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, that's why
1: I'm like really excited that you also mentioned Fargo and just like things that are not entirely like animation because I do think we get inspired by things that are not just animation. There's like so much other content. There's like real life. There's just like all this other kind of stuff that we need to pull from in order to make the content like new and fresh.
2: For sure, yeah.
0: You mentioned that you have a love of Egypt and I want to (laughs) circle back to that.
2: Oh, no. Oh, oh, yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: Now is the time.
2: <laughs> so my obsession, and I think it was probably because of the the Mummy movie. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Hey, good movie.
2: Great, great movie. Holds up. Super so. camp. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean- I like the ride. Before I even wanted to, <laughs> oh God, here we go. Here we go. Before I even wanted to be in animation, I straight up was determined. I was going to be an archaeologist. That was my career path. Wow. Okay. I was so inspired. I was like, I want to be like the guy in the mummy. I want to be like Indiana Jones. Brendan
0: Fraser got it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, it was just like, I'm going to be an archaeologist. I'm going to go to Egypt. I'm going to find mummies and it's going to be great. And I don't know. It was like, man, it was a spiral. Like it's all a blur. There was that. I found this like weird book in the library of Egyptian, like ancient Egyptian mythology and it had like all these stories that clearly no one in the elementary school was like going through to see what was inside of it because it was super dirty. (laughs) It was like, you know, like all this mythology from back then, it's all like adult jokes and things that (laughs) adults would get, but just like how like fairy tales were like way like adult humor. So weird things like that, but man, I thought it was so funny. And there was like little illustrations of the Egyptian gods in it. And then it just, yeah, I spiraled. I wanted everything. I had that crappy, my mom would get the Toscano magazine. And for Christmas, all I wanted was the statues. I had, (laughs) I had this like three foot tall Anubis statue that was meant to hold, like, wine, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> he held my Beanie babies <laughs> Oh. <laughs> because he was, like, my BFF, and he was in my room. I painted a mural on my bedroom wall that I just created of, like, it was, um, it was just a random, like, Pharaoh and, uh, Horace, because they were, like, cool. I loved Horace and Thoth i loved anubis it was bad guys i everything i like for like several years i asked for just ancient egyptian stuff i would go to the museums to look at the mummies it was
0: that sounds so endearing though like i don't i don't (laughs) i don't know why you have such a deep shame of this apparently because it sounds great
2: it was
1: i don't know it's like it's like different like not a lot of like i feel like there's like at least so far, we haven't heard that many stories about, like, people that were, like, really into a culture, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or that, like, wanted to go to museums
2: because they were really into, right? yeah. you know? That's, uh... I guess that's true. <laughs> that's great. I'm pretty sure my parents thought it was weird, but I'm glad they, like, indulged me in it and, like, bought me stuff that involved, like, archaeology and things. Like, because right. I grew up in New Jersey, so I was close to all those museums. But yeah, like, several birthdays in a row, I would get... <laughs> I would, I got this um, mummification like kid that was basically like you got this little clay dead guy and he would like you would basically he was like two halves so it was like this like weird little dude I'm just gonna draw him here la 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 he was dead as hell
0: dead as hell
2: <laughs> he had like a little like kind of diaper wrapping on and yeah he would open up. And there's like the rest of him. This is
0: so good. Yeah. And
2: it was full of his organs. Wow. So then you would take out his organs. Because you what? have like, they had a little book. Yes. It had a little book to show you how yeah. you would mummify.
0: They like put him in jars, right? Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. What? So you had little tiny jars. This was like, a, this was my like Barbie. I just can't believe how realistic it was. That's the thing. Oh my God, it was. This is like my favorite thing. Like,
0: this is, this <laughs> is awesome though. Like, I would I would do this.
2: Yeah, so you had these little jars, and it had like the little heads, and yeah, it would come with like the organs. I forget which ones now. I know maybe the heart, kidneys. I think it's like
0: yeah, heart,
2: stomach. Probably the brain. Bra-
0: uh, brain. No, yeah. it wasn't
2: the brain. Really? Yeah, okay. the brain. I remember. <laughs> I remember this. Oh my God, I'm having flashbacks to everything I learned. The it's brain, I remember back. in a book they showed, they would like shove a stick up your nose to scramble your brain. Yeah, yes. I do remember they that. Would just, yeah. like, they would just like, they'd like throw it out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> That's
0: the part that doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> it was everything like here, like in your core, that was like safe. Interesting. Maybe intestines? I think the intestines was the other one. Okay. Mm, I remember a squiggly tough. piece. I love that they didn't keep the brain. They were just like, no. Oh yeah, some weird goop. Forget that one. Fuck this shit. <laughs> But yeah, you'd get, I, you'd get the four jars and then you'd put each one into the corresponding, you know, jar that had the right animal slash godhead on it. And then after you did that, you would, they gave you little uh paper. You popped them out of, like, a piece of, like, cardboard paper of, like, little scare beetles and, like, charms to, like, you know, help the mummy, like, on his way to the afterlife. And you'd, like, put one, like, on him. And you'd, like, they gave you, like, cloth which I'm pretty sure was just like gauze like bandage gauze and then you'd put them back together all the stuff was out you wrap them back up like a mummy you shove those little charms in there and you put them into the sarcophagus which happened to be like the container you bought it in it was like painted like a sarcophagus that's cool then you were done and you that's efficient
0: too I mean we were just talking about like toy design and like that sounds like they really thought it through yeah
2: yeah dude I was obsessed with all this stuff and like so I had that and then a part of him also it came with like little, um, ancient Egyptian, like board games that they used to play. I think one of them was kind of similar to like checkers. So I'd always play with those. And (laughs) some of the things I had were really lame. I had like a blow up mummy, like it was like a sarcophagus that you just bought from like the naturalist (laughs) museum. He kind of looked like a punching bag. He was on my shelf. He was great. I had this teddy bear that my mom like made like an archeologist. She, like, gave him a little vest and, like, put all, like, these tools in his belt. It was very cute. I really wanted to dig up mummies. I don't. There's probably some weird existential reason behind that that we're not going to go into. (laughs) But I don't know.
0: When you're a a kid, you just, like, latch on to, like, a a concept, I feel. Because I had... I had a moment where I got really into medieval shit. So I had my <laughs> Egyptian moment. Like I got really into knights and wizards and I, I burned myself out on it so hard that I hate it now. Like I don't like high uh, fantasy oh, stuff.
2: Oh, oh no.
0: I find it really boring and like, I couldn't do Game of Thrones. I don't care about Lord of the Rings. And, but I was really into it when I was a kid, I have so.
2: no idea, that's so funny.
0: Yeah, no one knows that. Now everyone knows, I guess. I'm sorry. (laughs) Wow, this is this is a safe space. But yeah, I uh, yeah, I don't, I get it, and it's just you know, some it's something about. But I was into like Egypt stuff too. Like I, I get it. There's there's an air of like mystery about it, and um, Mm -hmm. they had they were just like good graphic designers. I don't know, like all of the yeah, the art was great. Yeah, like there's something about Egypt that it's just like that shit slaps, man.
2: it really does and maybe i like just hated my own religion at the time i'm not religious now but the time it's like i got this one guy and that's it but man ancient egypt had all these cool things and they had animal heads and it was like it was just magical something about it felt so just i don't know like real and authentic and it just really clicked in my mind it was like uh, yeah, and then of course, Prince of Egypt came out, and I was like, "Oh, oh man, right. now I got animation that's all Egypt themed." Oh my God, it was yeah. uh, it was a lot going on for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: all of the um, like the myth mythology of it, I guess, is really fun and cool, and like
2: mm-hmm. like cool
0: animal head people. Did you ever um, did you ever read uh, Pantheon by Hamish Steele?
2: I did. I love okay. that. It's, yeah, great. it's
0: great. Yeah, it's a really good just like adaptation I guess of, yes. uh, of the Egyptian pantheon that's cool no I mean but like what I, the reason why I ask is because I just I, I find it interesting what kind of things you know kind of combine to make people who they are as artists and everything and so it's like nothing is nothing is uh, lame nothing is like I think it's all interesting because it all shaped us and yeah that's cool is there anything else like that that comes to mind
2: I mean I guess the other thing I was obsessed with was just like Role playing with my friends at the time. Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yu, Yu Hakusho Show was like the big thing. Oh. Yeah. And that like I don't really, I didn't really watch much anime. Like for me, it was basically whatever was on Toonami. So like right. it was yeah. Dragon Ball Z, Yu Yu Hakusho, and then Adult Swim, it was Wolf Strain. And I had this group of friends who we were obsessed with these shows and we made our own OCs for them and we had our own Pro Boards oh, forum where we role-played them. I feel bad for the, all the main characters because we killed everyone off. Because we were like, literally like the first post, we're like, Kuwabara died. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> because nobody wanted to role play him. Oh,
0: come on. is the best. He
2: is, he's my favorite now. I get it now. It's an acquired but taste. But as a kid, I was stupid. You're like, yeah, he's cool, he's got a dragon. You just, you don't really think about it too much.
0: It's a mature, it's an acquired taste, Kuwabara.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's. Arguably the best character now I actually yeah. relate to that a lot Because when
1: I was a kid I was like ah, He's ugly, I don't like him
2: no. Yeah, he had that weird hair
1: um, He's the most interesting character I relate to Kubo
2: And also he had like You know, just that really grating voice You're like, God, chill out, man What are you doing? But now as an adult, I'm like, you are the hero of the story You're like, you know You're doing everything Yes <laughs> You yeah. saved the team you're cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Did we have questions?
2: Yeah. We, I also
1: want to, like, ask about, like, goals of what you want to do with your, like, career or, like, things that you really want to do eventually or, like, yeah, just all that jazz.
2: All that jazz. I mean, I feel like you probably heard it a million times, but I want to be a showrunner. Like, that kind of thing. I want my own show one day. I'm not rushing for it. I will take my time to get there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's something I really want to do. Like my boyfriend Carl and I were always creating ideas together and we have a couple things that are like on the back burner right now because we're super busy, sure. but that's the goal. I mean, there's one thing that is all boarded and all done and I posted a sneak peek about it, which is just PJ and Mr. Yes, which is like an offshoot of Carl's Becky print thing. And it's going to be great when I post it. It's, it's <laughs> almost done, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been like my thing like on the back burner that I've been working on. And I'm also probably working on it in a really stupid way, but it works for me, which is basically just I'm animating it all in Storyboard Pro because that's what I'm comfortable in because I hate Flash. Mm -hmm. So that's been kind of fun. It really does. But I like, I know how to use Storyboard Pro. So I create like this whole method, my little production method where I animate it all. I like put a green screen behind it bring it into After Effects, I like, oh, key, wow. like the color out. And then I add all these effects to it. And I do like all the background design, the Photoshop, but I comp it together very proud of myself. So I'm Damn. excited to post that eventually.
0: <laughs> that is such a complicated uh, pipeline, but I, hey, whatever works, man.
2: It works, so I'm not questioning
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, don't touch it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah,
2: basically. It's like held together by a thread, but that's yeah, like probably strength. everything I do. <laughs> it's okay.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe I've been meaning to try it. Maybe try clip Studio, because I think that has some animation that's true it.
2: but then i have to learn
1: i know
0: it. i know that's <laughs> I, have. I haven't touched it either i'm 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 promoting something i haven't even touched so i don't yeah <laughs> it might be bad
1: honestly like server pro is pretty great to animate with honestly it really is it's simple
0: i've never tried
1: it's all i need
0: there's something about server pro that like just rubs me the wrong way like even <gasps> for boarding i don't know i, I like what, really well okay so i <laughs> i am like flash is like baked deeply into my
2: oh that's why you, know. you started yeah. with flash
0: yeah yeah i I'm used to the way the vectors work in flash and like and I hate I like, hey, it sucks. I hate flash, but mm. <laughs> but it's all I know. Mm-hmm. And so like going over to Storyboard Pro, it like it just doesn't make sense to me and i I I've gotten used to it, but it's still like I feel like I'm always working against it, and it doesn't work for me. But I, the more I learn, like there's definitely a lot of just tools and shortcuts that I just didn't know, and no one's ever taught me, and like I'm slowly mm-hmm. absorbing them
2: yeah i mean that seems to be the case from anyone i know that started off like really like in flash that Super pro is not their ideal program and i get it yeah. i just i tried so hard to be one of those flash people like back when like Newgrounds was a thing everyone was making the little flash <laughs> animations i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do this and then i just saw the timeline with all the dots and my brain broke oh yeah i just and still to this day the dots mean nothing to me i right. don't understand why they're dots just make them panels that i can drag like, oh, this makes sense. I can see the length of things. Honestly, I can. I totally
1: relate to that. <laughs> I feel like for me, the first time I opened Flash, I was like, my brain is broken. I don't get it. It's crazy. Yeah. It took me a real long time. I had to like work really hard to, to get it.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, V, do we have questions?
1: Uh, yeah, we do have one question, which is... What are some good exercises for beginner board artists to try out in order to strengthen their skills, build out their portfolio?
2: Oh, boy. <laughs> I would say try to board different styles of boards. Like, I don't mean that by, like, different styles as, like, this board looks like it belongs in Adventure Time, and this board looks like, you know, i catch more or something. Like, not, like, actual art styles, but, like, different like emotional kind of styles like board something where it's two characters and they're having an argument or try to like you know practice boarding like a car chase scene I think like having that kind of ability to like bounce around between different like styles of boards is really beneficial in your career especially if you want to be a tv board artist because you're going to jump around to different kinds of shows like all the time like I jumped around from you know a uh, show at Disney that was kind of slice-of-life sitcom-staging style to Thundercat's Roar, which was absolutely madness and crazy action scenes and dynamic stuff. So I think that's the kind of thing you should probably focus on is, like, don't get too, you know, comfortable with just one kind of way of boarding, like just having characters stay in there and talk. Because while technically that works, uh, you know, studios and employers kind of want to see what else you can do. So yeah and you can always you know watch and reference things to get used to that kind of stuff like i couldn't just board a car scene for the first time like out of nowhere like i watched a bunch of stuff to do it first you know yeah like yeah that kind of yeah that kind of thing that's good that's
1: strong advice yeah totally i i agree with you on the thing that's like not just the art style but like trying to understand what it means to have a storyboard style for a show like it's so Mm -hmm. different if you're like storyboarding for a cartoony show than if you're storyboarding for like a realistic type of show than if you're storyboarding for a musical or yada 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 yeah yep for sure well that was um that was that was like really great like we covered so much I think yeah uh, and and I love that like this episode is also like we had this whole like segment about like toy design which I think it's so interesting and so yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was really into that because I've—that's a very unique thing that I don't think
2: <laughs> I don't know any
0: anybody that's gone through uh, that world. So that's fascinating.
2: My past life. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, your
0: many, many lives. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else uh, that you wanted to say or plug?
2: Oh God, watch Middlemost Post when it comes out. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for it. The show's super cute. I love the crew, and everyone will love it too. And also yeah i guess that's it
0: nice what's your (laughs) saying tell tell people your handle where to follow you
2: oh i my handle is at magic bunny art because that was the name i made in middle school and i'm stuck with it forever and that's my username on literally every social media (laughs) site (laughs) i
0: i had i was a hyper boy on DeviantArt and um nice other stuff because that was the name of my flash series. I was one of those flash people that you, that you talked about. but <laughs> um, And I was, I, I think, I guess I was smart enough to try to abandon it as soon as possible. And so like, <laughs> I, I did mean... not want to be 30 and still be going by.
2: Yeah. Is this is curse. my curse. Yeah, but being... also, <laughs> Magic Bunny is also my initials, MB. So, oh, yeah. eh. Kind of works. Eh, whatever. Honestly, (laughs) I like that like magic bunny
1: art though makes you super safe. So that like,
2: it feels like, okay, this is an account I can follow. And it's (laughs) unique because my name is so common. If you Google it, you'll get a million other people that is not me. So I
0: noticed that. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yep. Hence my middle name in a lot of things lately. But yeah, magic bunny art. That's me.
0: Cool. All right. Well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Megan Boyd for being our guest and sharing her story.
1: And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions uh, to ask our guests.
0: And please subscribe to our channel, please. Uh, if you uh, love our content, I've been your host, Jean.
1: And I was V. Being cre- uh keeping creative, and we'll see you next week.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.